Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. This week, this is the last week in a series called The Blessed Life, okay? And uh, we basically what we do, if it's your first time here and seeing us and, and being a part of this, what we do in a series is we grab a topic, we grab a subject, and we kind of just pound away at it. And we really look at it from a lot of different angles. And so in The Blessed Life, we've been talking about money. And money is one of the most important topics to us because the Bible says that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And God's pursuit of us is involves our heart. He wants to have our heart. And so it's very important to talk about money. There are 200 verses in the Bible on faith and prayer, but there are a thousand verses about money in the Bible. And Jesus, 16 of his 38 parables were about money. So you can see that this all through the Bible, money is an important thing. And so looking at it and and as Christians, what are our responsibilities with money is an important topic, right? And so this is our first time at Simple Church that we've actually done a series devoted to money. We may have mentioned money before, but we are focusing completely on it. So today is our last week in the series. If you have not been here for the rest of them, I would encourage you to listen to the podcast. They're available. You can go to iTunes and uh, look up Simple Church Ohio, or you can go to our website. That's simplechurchohio.com. And all the podcasts are on there. The messages will be a blessing to you and hopefully be something that will challenge your life. But as such, since we are talking about money, I feel like oftentimes people think that preachers look at them as a dollar sign. And I don't. And I don't want you to ever feel like I am giving, going to give you some kind of emotional hook at the end of the service to give. And so since I haven't said much of anything so far, we're going to go ahead and take the offering now. And uh, that way you don't feel like I'm going to, I'm going to give any kind of, kind of like plead at the end of service. My service hosts are... Where with the, there they are, there they are, okay, there they are. Sorry guys, should give you the heads up on that, I apologize. But we'll go ahead and pass the buckets now. Now is your opportunity, if you are giving your tithes and your offerings, you can do that. If you are a guest here, you're under no obligation to give, we just ask that you tear off that connection card, drop it in the offering bucket. Uh, But we do thank you for your faithful giving, because it is... Uh, it is because of giving like this that we were able to continue to do what we do here in the community to be a blessing to missionaries, to be a, a blessing to our local food pantry, Heart, and to other works and other church plants that are happening around the world and locally. So thank you for that. We appreciate you. Take just another minute here. And so since we are finishing up this series, next week we're going to launch into a brand new series called All In. And uh, I'm really excited about it. It's a really great series. A lot of, lot of things to think about in this series that's upcoming. But today, so we're going we're gonna to talk today about generosity, right? I'm going to read you the definition of generosity. Most of this stuff would have appeared up on the screen. Again, I apologize for the technical difficulties. Hopefully we'll have it fixed for second service. So if you want to see them on a the screen, you can hang out through second service, whatever you'd like to do. But generosity is the habit of giving freely without expecting anything in return. It can involve offering time, assets, or talents to aid someone in need, Right? Often equated with charity as a virtue, generosity is widely accepted in society as a desirable trait. Now, let me ask you guys a question. How many of you guys would like to be more blessed? Anybody here, by show of hands, could use a little more blessing in your life? For those of you that don't have your hands up, are you awake? Good morning. 
we could all stand to be more blessed, right? Well, let me tell you what it takes to be more blessed or one of the ways to be more blessed. In Acts 20, 35, it says, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive, right? I see some of you mouthing that as I'm saying it. You know this verse, right? We say it, we, we know it well, but we say, well, that's just what people will say who you know, haven't received anything because it feels amazing to receive something, doesn't it? feels awesome to have a gift be given to you, an extravagant gift or even a, a gift of faithfulness, somebody that gives faithfully to you, whether that's in, through service or through finances, whatever way somebody gives to you. It feels amazing to receive, doesn't it? But the Bible flips that notion and says it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And this is so true. Uh, it's that feeling after you've helped someone. You know what it is. Like, you know, you see somebody on the side of the road and you pull over and you help them. It's that feeling as you're driving away, you're like, man, that feels great. That feels great to have helped somebody, to have given in that way, to have given of your muscles or of your knowledge on how to kick the tire, you know, or the, the, the tire iron enough to get it to spin around and loosen that tire so you can change it. Where is this illustration going, Aaron? I don't know. But you feel amazing after you've helped somebody, right? It's that, it's that thing. And generosity is one of those things that is contagious, isn't it? It's like, when you ever heard of the, the concept of pay it forward? This is a very popular and very like, posh thing to say, right? Pay it forward. Well, I'm going to do something nice for you. And because I've done something nice for you, you're not supposed to do something nice for me in return. That's just us returning favors for each other. But to pay it forward is to find somebody else that is in need and to serve them, right? It's to be generous to them. And so generosity is... is contagious you show that generosity to somebody else and they show it to somebody else and on it goes but the key to a blessed life is a heart of generosity Um, we're going to be all over the place in the bible today i've got a couple examples i want to pull from and generally those will be up on the screen today they're not going to be i'm just going to read them here but if you don't personally own a bible we would love to give you a bible so that you can take it home as a gift to you to provide it to you as a gift Just put your hand in the air. We'll slip a Bible in your hand. One of the service hosts will get it to you so that you can take it home and have it. Uh, And we've got a couple up here. We've got one, two. We've got three. We've got three. Any of our service hosts will grab those Bibles and get those out. That would be good. Just keep your hands up so that they can see for us, please. One, two, three. Do you see? Chuck, do you see them? You see where they are? Great. Here and a couple up here. Fantastic. All right. So we are going to, let's go to Proverbs 11, 24 through 25. And it says, one man gives freely yet gains even more. And and what you know about the Proverbs or what we need to know about the Proverbs is the Proverbs are a bunch of sayings. They say, if you do this, then you will have this. It's a bunch of if-then statements, right? So here's the if-then statement. One One man gives freely, yet gains even more. That doesn't make sense, right? The more you pour out, the more you have. And another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. So the guy who's keeping comes to poverty a generous man will prosper he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed so the if then statement here is is if you are generous then you will have if you are not if you withhold or you withhold unduly or keep to yourself then you will come to poverty you will have nothing second corinthians 9 6 through 8 and 11 says it this way remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly now the idea of sowing and reaping unless you are a farmer or have heard this concept before the idea of sowing he's talking about seeds the farmer sows seeds or plants them into the ground the reaping is when they gather in the harvest it's the 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 corn stalks that have grown up and so they are reaping those in so this is what he's referring to jesus is talking or i'm sorry paul is speaking to a particular audience and he knows what what would hit home with them and so he says whoever sows sparingly 
will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, how many of you guys are thankful that God is able? God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That is a mouthful, but that is a wonderful thing, what God is able to make abound to me. You will be rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So of course, he's talking about sowing, right? So the concept of a seed. Think about a seed. You ever held a seed in your hand before? Or maybe you've held a a kernel of corn. That's That's a seed, right? And that seed isn't much. If you tried to feed yourself on that little kernel of corn, you're not going to be very hungry or very, you're going to be really hungry. You're not going to be very satisfied. In fact, if you put it in your mouth and chew it, it's likely to get stuck in your teeth and less likely to go down your throat and your stomach. Or at least that's my luck. But a seed in your hand is no good, is it? Right? A seed has potential within itself, but you can't hold on to a seed and have it multiply. You can't. In order to have that seed multiply, you have to let it go, right? And trust it into God's hands, into the process that God has put into place, that sowing process, that plant the seed in the ground, let it go. Let the seed be planted into the ground. Let it be watered. Let the sun bake it a little bit. Let it break open. Let it take root and then grow. How all that happens has nothing to do with you or I, does it? Except for the fact that we let something go. And so that's the idea of the seed. But a seed will never multiply unless we let go of them and trust God. So, so the idea here is only what is given away that we see in Proverbs. The idea is only what is given away can multiply, right? Our first month as a church, when we started, we were given some startup money, right? And uh, the church that launched us gave us some funds. But our very first month, they said, listen... You don't need to tithe off of any of this. This is your startup money. You don't need to give out to anybody. You don't need to give back into it because as part of being a church planning network, we give back so that they can help plant other churches. But they said, you've got a year or two years before you need to do that. But as a, as a, as a core group, we said no. Because we understand generosity. We understand giving. Even though we didn't know where our next month's money was coming from. We didn't have anybody coming to the church. We, we had no promise of any future funds. We said, we're going to give first. We're going to give first. We're going to be generous. And so we sowed into our community. We sowed back into church plants. Why? Because we understood that what we let go of, God will multiply and bring back to us. Are you just talking about money, Aaron? No, I'm not just talking about money. I want you to just look around this church. And look at how much talent we have. Look at the faithfulness of the people that we have. Look at the quality of the people that we have here in this church. And you will see that blessing is much more than dollars. It is. And because we have been faithful, because we have been faithful to put God first and to be generous with what he is giving us, God has come through big and has been generous to us. And he has blessed us. And it's a wonderful thing, but it's because of generosity, right? And so knowing that it is more blessed to give than to receive, why aren't more people generous? Why do you think that is? There's a number of reasons why. And I would say the last couple of weeks, we've talked about making God first in our finances, right? Through tithing, giving him the first 10% of our income and, and how as we give that first 10% that he blesses the 90%. But there are other levels of giving, right? There are three different levels, I would say, of giving. The first level and the second level, we're talked about in Malachi 3, 9 through 12. We talked about them in the last couple of weeks and it says that you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. In other words, God was speaking to a group of people who were keeping their tithe, that 10% of their income, and their offerings. Well, what's an offering? Let, let, me, let me say this. At my house, I do the laundry. 
I wash it, I fold it, I put it in baskets, and, and then I make sure that it gets up to the rooms. Now, whether it gets put away in my room is neither here nor there, whether I do that or not. But there are times that I have this one chore, and then my wife has chores as well. My kids have chores around the house. We all have household duties. But my regular thing that I am supposed to give into is to do that laundry every week. There are times when I look at my wife and I, or in the absence of her presence or when she's busy or has things to do, I go, you know what, I can help her out with her stuff. And I go and I help her. It's above and beyond what I'm asked to do, right? And so I'll help a little bit. That's an offering. It's a, hey, I love you and I'm thankful for all that you're doing. I'm thankful for the way you serve in the church and the way you serve our friends and our family and our community. Thank you and I love you. And here, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to surprise you. I'm going to do something extra for you. And I do. And I do that because of my thankfulness, my gratitude towards her, right? But there's a third level of giving. So there's that tithe and offering, right? That's just, just to help you understand. That's what's commanded of us or what giving back to God, what is his. And then going above and beyond because of a, a grateful heart. And then there's extravagant giving. Has anybody here ever been blessed with anything extravagant? Something that you could never get on your own? Maybe something that, was just, that was just, just blew you away and you just go, wow, really? You're giving this to me? But it's extravagant giving. And, and I would say that most people will never even get to that first level of giving. But if they do get to the first level of giving, they'll get to that second level of giving, which is the offering level. And, and oftentimes the reason they're able to get to that offering level and even to the extravagant giving level is because they've learned to discipline themselves. Excuse me. They've learned to discipline themselves. It takes discipline to be able to give 10% of your income. That doesn't happen by mistake. Now, we'll tell you this, that the average American across the board gives, at the end of the year when they do their taxes, they get all their receipts in, they unintentionally give away 6% of their money. Unintentionally. But to intentionally give 10%, it requires discipline. It requires to plan ahead, to intentionally give an offering above and beyond. It takes planning. It takes discipline. And to give extravagantly takes planning as well. It takes discipline. Which is why I say if you don't enter in that first level, you'll probably never get to those next two levels of giving. <clears throat> so this is where when we get into that third level of extravagant giving, that we get into this, this, uh, this channel or becoming a channel that God can pour out his blessing through, right? We've earned God's trust. And again, he measures it to us with the same measure that we give out. It's just as it, that his measuring cup is bigger than ours, right? And how many people are thankful for that? And so there are many examples of extravagant giving in the Bible. David's gift to the temple. Solomon offered a thousand uh, sacrifices to God the day that he became king. The widow's two mites. See, all right, so those are big gifts in those first two. But the widow gave two mites. This is just a few dollars. And Jesus looked at it and said, she's given more than everybody else. Why? Because it was all that she had. Percentage-wise and by comparison, these two mites were all she had and she gave it all. And that was a bigger thing. That was an extravagant gift for her because it was everything. Abraham offered his son and God offered his son. Again, this is generosity. And only what is given away can multiply, right? Jesus was one of those first seeds God gave him. And now look at how many people are sons and daughters of God because the first son was given. He was sown like a seed into the ground. Well, anyway, it's a whole whole different sermon, but... All right, so let's look at John 12, 1 through 8. Then six days before the Passover, this is uh, Jesus is hanging out with, with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Mary does something extravagant here. She gives an incredible gift. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he'd raised from the dead, 
There he made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil, we'll call it aqua di Gio, just for today, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the aqua di Gio. But one of his disciples, that's a perfume, by the way. I don't know if you know that or not. I'm, or Davidoff, cool water, whatever. It's, in the verse, it's called spikenard, and I don't like the word, so I'm going to call it aqua di Gio. Just let me live in my world here, okay? <laughs> but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, this is Judas, the one who was going to betray Jesus, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now, 300 denarii, is about a year's wages, okay? So she pours some perfume on Jesus' feet that would have cost her a year's salary. Think about your year's salary, your annual salary, and imagine pouring it out in one moment at the feet of the master. Now, I would say that that if Jesus were sitting here, all of us would go, yes, I would do that, and we would readily do that, right? But how many of you could actually do that? How many of you could, you know, whatever that dollar amount is for you, could actually do that right now? Here's Mary, and she's planned. She's saved up. She has it in her hands to give this extravagant gift. And he, he says, so Jesus continues, this he said, not, or sorry, this is about Judas. He said, why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box. And he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. So here's an extravagant gift that she's bringing to him. And why did she give such a generous gift? She gave it because she had a grateful heart. She's sitting at the table with Jesus. And she has a grateful heart. And so you can't give like this unless you have a grateful heart. And I wouldn't say that Mary even had any foresight as to what the gift was for, right? Sometimes when we have this extravagant gift or a gift that you're going to give somebody, you don't even know what it's for. When you're following the spirit that is leading you to do something, you don't even know what it's for. But Jesus said in Matthew 26, 12, for in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. It was preparation for Jesus' burial. They, they would, would perfume them so that they didn't smell, right? And so this is why she did it. And sometimes we don't understand the full meaning, the extent of the gift that we give. I, I've experienced this personally myself, and it was really, really cool when it happened. There was a, we were in a, one of our grow groups, and our grow groups here are groups that meet in our homes, and we fellowship together, and we talk about the Word of God and how we're going to grow from it. And this was a couple years ago, and, and uh, at the end of the grow group, we were talking, and, and we said, anybody have any prayer requests? And for the last few weeks, this young lady had been saying, finances, finances, I'm, I'm in need of my house and finances. I would say for three or four weeks, my heart wasn't moved, and maybe God was speaking to me, and I just wasn't listening. I'm an idiot sometimes, and I'll just tell you, I don't always hear. But this particular week, after her third or fourth inquiry to, to pray, she didn't ask for money. She said, let's pray. God spoke to my heart, and after the group was over, I went up into my bedroom, and I got my checkbook, and I wrote a check for $400. Now, $400 may not be a lot to you, but it's a lot for me. It's extra money that we would have kicking around for the month. And so I wrote this check, and I said, Lord, I hope this is right. I don't know if this is right. And I went to my wife, and I I said to her, I said, hey, honey, I'm going to show you a check, and it's for this person. And if you agree with it in your heart that this is right, then this is what we do. I flashed her the check. She looked at the number and said, yep, absolutely. She folded it up, took it from me, and gave it to that person. We didn't know what it was for. We didn't know what the financial need was. We trusted the Holy Spirit to lead us. Well, come to find out, 
that the need was actually larger than $400. But watch how God works. Later that week, she gets a phone call. An uncle of hers has won the lottery. And he has decided to give everybody some money in the family. And so he writes her a check for $300. So $300 plus our $400 was $700. Guess how much the financial need was to pay her bills that month? $700. Sometimes you don't even know what the gift is that you're bringing. Or what it's to be used for. But if you just move and are obedient, a gift like that, maybe $400 is extravagant to you. It was a lot for us to do. And God took that and used it for his purposes to bless one of his children. That's a cool place to be. And we celebrated. We cried. We celebrated. And thank God for being a part of what he was doing in this young lady's life. Did, 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 did I get a $400 check or a $500 check to replace that money? I don't know. But the joy that was in my heart for the life that she was experiencing was enough. It was enough to be part of what God was doing. But back to the story of Jesus, Mary, and Judas. Why did it bother Judas so much? If you look at the story, Judas is kind of blown off. But why did it bother Judas so much? I would say that giving is what caused Two different hearts to be displayed here, right? We've got a generous heart and we've got a heart that is selfish. And when a gift is given or extravagance is experienced, there's two hearts revealed. The generous heart goes, yeah, that's awesome. That's so amazing. This is great. And then the selfish heart, like Judas, says, hey, wait a minute. We could have done something with that. We could have blessed the poor, which Judas didn't really care about the poor, but he was using an excuse, right? It revealed his selfish heart. Because he would have taken that money. If he put it in the box, he'd have filched from it a little bit and spent it on himself on the side. We don't know what he was doing with it, but we do know that he was stealing from the box. But is it possible that you and I have a little bit of Mary in us and a little bit of Judas as well? I'm not going to lie to you. When I wrote that, that $400 check and I showed it to my wife, I hoped that I would flash it to her and she'd go, eh, not so much. I'm not going to lie to you. There was a bit of me that was like, well, I know what we can do with that money. You know, it's it's... November or October, whatever the month is, Christmas is coming. I know what we could do with that, with that money. And she was like, nope, let's do it. I was like, okay, I'm all in. Here we go. The check is already written, and it was off and gone from my hand before I could stop it. But, I, but there was a bit of that Judas in me, right, that was revealed. Even though I was being obedient, it was revealed. It was like, oh. And so giving reveals this, right? It's that age-old battle of generosity and selfishness, right? And we have to remember that we are born selfish. You can know this because you can look at any toddler. What are they always saying? Mine! 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 Right? It doesn't matter if they haven't touched a toy in months, weeks, years. If it belongs to them and somebody else has it, there is a battle cry and it is mine. Right? (laughs) Somebody is going to be tackled that will be a tug of war Things will be broken, and I don't just mean rear ends when it's done. Things happen because of selfishness like that in kids' hearts and in their lives. We are born selfish, right? And Judas used the poor as his excuse to cover his own selfishness, right? Because Judas was a thief. He's a guy who sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. That was the common cost of a slave of that day. 30 pieces of silver. That's what Joseph was bought for and sold into slavery into Egypt back in the Old Testament. 30 pieces of silver buys you a slave, and that's what Jesus was sold for. So how many times do we cover up our own selfishness? If we were to be honest and look at ourselves, what do we use to cover our own selfishness, right? Instead of being generous, right? 
we look at people and say, well, that, that should have been sold and given to the poor. This is Judas's cover. Do we use this ourselves? We say this about any house that is bigger than ours, or maybe you look at my house and say, how dare that preacher have that house? He shouldn't have something so big. He, could, he tells us we should give to the poor. He should give. Well, you're, I hear a lot of should in there, that he should, he should, he should. But all that, all that pointing fingers at people, all it does is to cover your own selfishness because really, shouldn't you be doing what you're saying? They should be doing? Well, they shouldn't have such a nice car. They shouldn't have three guitars. They shouldn't be able to go out to eat every night during the week. Couldn't they surely not go out one night and give that money to the food pantry? Or couldn't they do this? Look at the jewelry they wear, the clothes. They wear Abercrombie and Fitch. Well, you don't know if they got that from the from you know the, the thrift shop. You don't know where they got it. They were popping tags and got it for two bucks. <laughs> you have no idea, and yet you judge them. And yet you judge them. You look at them and say, you ought to or you should. And this is a common accusation. Why doesn't the guy sell this house and give the money to the poor? But this is selfish, self-seeking, envious, and a jealous heart trying to justify itself by looking at others, isn't it? If you truly cared for the poor, then you would sell your house. You would sell your house and give the money to the poor. If you really cared about them that much, so much that you would go, you should be doing this. Well, then you go and do likewise. That's what you ought to be doing. You be an example, and maybe they will. Maybe they will. A life sold out like that. Could you imagine meeting somebody like that who sold their house to give it all away because they felt like that's what God would have them do? But we have to stop trying to get the focus off how little we give by pointing to the prosperity or the extravagance of others. And selfishness is always trying to put others down so the finger never points back at us, right? And we should, we should be saying... Praise God. Look what he's blessed them with. We don't know if they've been good stewards. We don't know if they've given in an extravagant way, and that's why they are blessed that way. We have no idea. We don't know if they're up to their eyeballs in debt. We have no idea how they are that way, but it doesn't matter. We shouldn't be pointing any fingers at anybody, should we? We should be doing this. But selfishness doesn't care about the poor. Selfishness is a manipulator. Selfishness provides good reasons not to be generous. We say, well, I don't have enough to be generous. Or if I had more, I would be generous. And that's not true. We looked at the scriptures the past couple weeks and said that if you are, you are faithful in little, then you'll be faithful in much. If you're generous with little, then you'll be generous with much. If you're selfish with little, you'll be selfish with much. Right? Almost everyone in here, though, and here's something very revealing and something you need to remember on a regular basis, is almost everyone in here is in the top 5% of the richest people on the planet. Did you know that? We are in this room, no matter whether you are middle income, low income, or high income, wherever you fit in those brackets, I don't know. That's none of my business. But wherever you fit in there, you are still richer than most of the people in the world. I mean, for crying out loud, we have houses for our cars. We have houses for our cars. We do. And we, we laugh about that because the idea of a house for your car is silly. But we are filthy rich, aren't we? We are filthy rich. And our problem is not that we don't have enough. Our problem is we think we can never have enough. It's a mindset for us, right? But could it be that our problem is that we are too me-focused? We look at ourselves too much. We get more. We consume more. But what if we... Here's here's an idea. Ready? I'm going to throw it out there. Somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to do it, and you're going to come to me and tell me it was the most awesome experience in your life. I promise you. What if we gave all or at least some of our next raise away. 
When God gives you increase, what if you just took that increase that one time and gave it away? What would that do in your life? It might shift some things, right? It would change how you feel in your life. My wife and I, we, we tithe on our, on our income before our taxes come in. So when our tax return comes in, that's money that we've already tithed on, right? As far as the commanded blessing, that's already, we gave that away to the government and they're just giving it back to us, right? And so that's money we've already tithed on. But every year, for the, I would say for the past three or four years, we have taken a portion of that money and we've given it away. And it's been the most freeing thing to do to have our tax return come back in and we go, hey, we're going to give this away. We're going to find somebody that we're going to bless. It's, a, it's a really something I look forward to every year. I'm like, who are we going to bless? What are we going to do? Who are we going to support? And, it, and it's a, something that is thrilling for me. It has shifted the culture in my household and in my heart around tax return, around tax time. I get excited to do my taxes because I get to bless somebody. And God is going to use a portion of that income to bless somebody. But what if we all did something like that? What kind of shift would we experience in our life? What if we need to cut out some of our wants so that God can use us to change the world through generously giving? What if God wants to use you in that way? What if he is looking for somebody who would be a river instead of a reservoir? Well, what's the difference? Well, a river takes in and it pours out, right? Nothing stays. The water is constantly flowing. Whereas a reservoir, it's filled up and it stays. But if God's, what if God's looking for somebody that he can pour into so that you can continue to pour out for somebody to somebody else, right? Can God give through you? Could he trust you to do that? I mean, imagine this. Imagine if I want to bless the kids and my kids, uh, the, my kids uh, the entire sixth grade. My boys are in sixth grade. If I wanted to bless them all with cookies. And I gave them to my son, Trent, who would be the likely candidate to have this happen. But I gave them all to Trent and I said, Trent, take these to school. And give these cookies out to everybody. What if on the bus ride and waiting for the bus and waiting in line at school, he consumed every single one of those cookies himself? It's a likely story. Just saying, if you know my boy, he will eat some, he'll pound on some cookies and some sweets. And he came home and I said, what did the kids think of the cookies? And he's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't give them to him. I, either he kept them for himself or he smashed them all on the bus ride, whatever he did. Do you think I'm going to give him another batch of cookies to take to school the next day? No, I'm going to give them to Tyler. And I'm going to say, hey, Tyler, take these to school. Give them to all the kids in your class. If Tyler smashes them, what am I going to do? I'm going to find another kid. Take these Because I'm trying to be a blessing to the kids in the classroom, right? And I think that's what God is trying to do with us. He's trying to bless this community. He's trying to bless the people that are in your lives. But can you be trusted to be one of those conduits of blessing? Can you be a river or will you be a reservoir? What kind of excuse are we going to come up with for not being generous? Or how are we going to hide our true reason for selfishness? Are our lives all about us or is it about fulfilling God's purpose, his will for our lives? And I would say there are three mindsets. There are three mindsets that we have. The first one is called the bag. And the bag mindset says I don't have enough. And I get the bag mindset from Haggai 1.6. It says, you eat but do not have enough. You drink but are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put it into a bag with holes. Are these people eating? Yes. But they say it's not enough. Are they clothed? Absolutely. But everybody's complaining they're cold. They all have enough, and yet they don't think. It's a mindset that I don't have enough. I'm putting my money in a bag with holes. It's, it's never enough. It needs to be filled up again. And generosity is a battle between a scarcity mentality 
and an abundance mentality. Scarcity says I never have enough. I'd love to be generous, but I don't have enough. I, or I trust the bag or I put my trust in the money and not in God. And this is where our culture is. This is where our culture lives, isn't it? There's not enough. I've got to get more for me. And this is why when the stock market crashes, that people jump out of the windows and kill themselves. Why? Because they put their trust in money. They've said, I trust in that. But nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to trust in money. It tells us to trust in whom? In Jesus. But when we put our money, our trust there, it's that bag mentality. Judas was so consumed with money in the bag that he betrayed Jesus, right? And he held that bag and it covered his selfishness by pointing to others instead of himself. Second kind of mindset is the basket. This is more than enough kind of a mindset. Deuteronomy 28, 4 through 6, and you need to understand this is Old Testament. And this is, they're telling the Israelites, if you follow God's law, if you fulfill it, keep his covenant, then this will happen. It says, the fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. In other words, Luke 6.38 says it this way. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. What does that mean? What does it mean, pressed down, shaken together, running over? If you can imagine a basket. You ever, anybody here ever like, um, I don't know, maybe you, you go to... Uh, a salad bar or even to Beatty's Mongolian Grill and you get the one bowl you know what you do with that bowl when you put in the toppings press it down because this is a place where they give you all the food raw right and you get one bowl and then they put it on a on a, on a hot stone and they cook it for you you press it down and, it, and if you know better you kind of tap it on the counter don't you why so everything settles and you've got more room in your bowl to fill it up why would, why would Jesus point this out? Because there, are, there were people, if you were a day laborer, you worked in the field, you would only fill your basket three quarters of the way full. Why? It wasn't your basket. It belonged to the guy you were working for, and you had to carry it across the field. You only wanted to fill it three quarters of the way. But when it was yours, boy, when it was your basket, the poor would come in and would pick up after the day laborers. They would take that basket, and they were allowed that one basket. They would press it down. They would shake it. Make sure everything settled out down as far as it could go. And they would fill it up to the point that it was overflowing, that as they walked, more fell. Why? Because it was their basket. They were concerned about getting the most. And so Jesus gives this example and says, given it will be given to you in this way. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's what that means. Completely full. Can't be any more full. And that's the second mindset. It's the basket, right? And God is a God out of abundance. And when, he, when we give, he will give. And he wants to bless you. But you and I hold that key for our lives, don't we? We have to learn to be generous. When God gives you more, what do you do with it? Are you generous? Remembering only what is given away can multiply, right? The third mentality is the barn. It's infinitely more than enough. And this is the one where I think we all hang out at. And I think it's sad. Even in my life. I've prayed over this this week like... Lord, help me. Deuteronomy 28, 8 says, The Lord will be send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. This is where we're living a life of overflowing abundance, right? You have more than you need. Your garages and your basements are filled with more stuff than you actually will use. We have food processors and multiple coffee makers. And I mean, I know you. I am you. I've probably got two or three coffee makers at my house. 
And I keep giving them away and people keep giving them to me. And I'm like, Lord, that is not the abundance that I want. (laughs) Coffee makers. (laughs) But I think we all live that way, don't we? Luke 12, 16 through 19, and, and I'm almost done, and I appreciate your patience with me. And it says, and he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I'll have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for yourself. For many years, take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Was God angry with the guy because he was blessed? No. God brought judgment on him because he was blessed and was overflowing. And instead of saying, the overflow I will give away, I will be generous with it. He said, I'm going to tear down my existing barns and build bigger ones. So I could hold more for myself. Because there was blessing in the giving out of that overflow and the extravagance. And when we read this, we think of somebody who lives in a big house, don't we? We think, well, I've got more than enough, right? You know, I've only got 2,400 square feet at my house or 1,600 square feet at my house. He's got 4,000 square feet. That house is huge. Certainly, he could sell half of it, live in a smaller house. But what if we're the rich man? That's overflowing. What if we are that person? Go to a third world country sometime. Join me. I'll take you to my friend Ariel's house. And Ariel's my friend I met in Panama, in Cologne. And Ariel sleeps on a dirt floor in a room no bigger than this bathroom. He and his wife and his child sleep there. And Ariel is thankful for the walls that he has because he has friends who have no walls. They have a little lean-to, a tin piece that leans up against a fence. Or they sleep in the open. They sleep among garbage. They sleep in boxes. (coughs) Ask Ariel to come to your house sometime. Tell you what he thinks of you. He will say, you are rich. Ariel wants to come to my house someday. He calls me all the time. I speak very little Spanish. Poquito. And he calls me and talks on in Spanish. And I'm like, hey, Ariel. And that's the end of the conversation. I have nothing else to say. I don't understand. But it's sweet. He's my brother. We went to build a church there. Let me tell you about Ariel real quick. Ariel's grateful. He's generous. Ariel didn't have a job when we got there. He'd been laid off. He was somebody who labored on the roads. And they laid him off. They just didn't have any work for him. So when we get there and we're building a church in his little community, Ariel worked with us for weeks. We were there for my week. Ariel would have been there. This was, I think, the second and third week he would have been working there with us. And he helped us pour the concrete and build the walls, all without any pay. And yet his family was in need. And so, at the end of the week, we'd all brought cash to spend, you know, to be tourists. They were going to take us one day to go shopping, and we all brought cash to spend. And my pastor said, you know, I think, I think we need to take up an offering for the church. And we said, yes, and then he said, I, I think we need to take up an offering for the pastor, personally. You know, we, he was excited to have used work boots from us that didn't fit him, were two sizes too big. And he cried and was humbled, was thankful. And then my pastor said, I think we need to take up a gift for Ariel, because he's been working, or Ariel, 
So it doesn't sound like the Little Mermaid. And we did. And we blessed Ariel. And you know what he did with that money? He went and he bought every single one of us that came a gift. And he, in, in the last night of the service, I'm sorry, it just, it blessed me. The last night of the service, he called each one of us out by name and gave us something that he purchased with the money that we gave him. Because he's generous. He's grateful that we were there, that we came from Columbus, Ohio, from our church C3 to his community, which is also identified as C3. That's a God thing, I'll just tell you that. It was really cool. But he gave us all a gift because he's generous. He was grateful. And Ariel forever changed my life. And I wept because I am a rich man. I am a rich man. And what if we are all that rich man? That's talked about here in the scriptures. We have these barns. And we have the barn blessing, right? Don't we? That last thing where we are overflowing. And yet we have a bag mindset where we can never have enough. I think our problem is that we think everything is for us. We get a raise, that's for me. We get a tax return, that's for me. We get a bonus, that's for me. We get a settlement, that's for me. It's for me. It's all for me. Jim Elliott, there's a a quote from Jim Elliott. He says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Someday, you know, when we pass from this earth, all the stuff that we've got stored in our barns, we don't get to take it with us. What we do get to take with us is people. Generosity will bring people along. Generosity will bring people to Jesus. They'll know you because of the way you treat each other. Generosity is one of those ways that we can treat each other. And God wants us to be extravagant givers. And today, the most extravagant gift that you can give God is your heart. And I think that's the place to start. So let's pray. Today, you may be here, and for the very first time, you may say, Aaron, you know, I want to be an extravagant giver. I hear your stories, and I hear what you're saying. I want to know what it's like, first of all, to experience an extravagant gift. And let me tell you something that God gave his only son as a gift to die for you and I, for our sins. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. And Jesus, perfect, a perfect man, son of God, died so that you and I didn't have to live in an eternity of separation from God. And with his sacrifice, he gave us the opportunity to be adopted into a heavenly family, a spiritual family, where God becomes our father. And today, if you would like to accept that sacrifice, that extravagant gift, you can. The beauty of accepting that, you gain a family, you gain love, you experience the love of God. But you also get a free pass into heaven. Isn't that cool? So if you're here today, I'm going to count to three. If you want to accept Christ, maybe for the hundredth time or the first time, if you'd raise your hand and let us know you're here, I'm going to count to three. That would be amazing. I'll pray for you. This is that one moment in your life where you can give your life back. Maybe you don't have anything in your pocket or maybe you, you don't have any two nickels to rub together. But you can give your heart and you can make a start today. So I'm going to count to three. If that's you, put your hand in the air. One, two, and three. There's hands all over this room. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> it's amazing, folks, that even on a day with no projector, no media, 
that God's still here, isn't it? It's cool. People giving their hearts to Christ. I'd ask that we'd all pray out loud because nobody should pray alone. And if you raise your hand, I'd especially ask you to pray. But everybody joining us in prayer. Jesus, I accept you as the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I pray that you show me how to live for you. And I'll do it every day as best I can. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here today and you say, Aaron, you kind of identified my heart. I've got some selfishness. I want to lay that down. I'm going to pray for all of us because I'm included in that number. But we can be different. We can be rivers that God can use to bless people. So I'm going to pray for all of us and, and then we'll dismiss. Lord, I pray for everybody here and under the sound of my voice I I ask God that you would help us. Lord, that we wouldn't just hear this word, that we would be like the fertile soil. Lord, that your word would be planted in our hearts. That we can be changed because of it. That we can let that seed be planted and, and, and spring up. Produce fruit in our lives. Life produce what kind of fruit? Fruit of generosity. That we can not only be generous to ourselves, but generous to strangers. Generous to those that hate us. Generous to our enemies. Generous to those who don't deserve it. And through that generosity, Lord, that we would not only experience the fullness of your love, but that others would experience it as well. What a difference we could make in the lives of people if we were generous to those who don't deserve it, that deserve worse. Pray that you help us do it. Not just hear it, not just agree with it, but live it this week. I pray blessings over each and every one of these and I thank you for our guests, for our friends who've returned. Pray that you bring us back safe next week. For all those that are sick in this room, for all those that are even traveling, Lord, I pray mercies as they travel for spring break. For those that are sick, Lord, I pray healing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all are dismissed. Thank you so much for being here today. Remember, come back and join us next week. Bring a friend back with us, with you. We'll begin our new series.